Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today's guest is Darius Davey, the founder of Groom Guy, a hospitality agency that brings a fresh perspective on men's wellness through hospitality design, professional hair services, and product partnership. Originally founded in New York City, Groom Guy now has two locations, Washington, D.C. and Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Darius, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sanjay. So I'm excited to have you on because I'm probably going to ask you all the kinds of questions that are going to make me help uh, become a better uh, groomed individual. But um, before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are now? Sure, sure. So uh, as you said, my name is Darius Davey. I'm from New York City originally um, and had a love and passion for the men's grooming industry um, close to almost a decade ago and kind of embarked on that journey um, back in New York City um, as a student, very much just hungry to learn, uh, but quickly realized that uh, there was a lot of work to be done, not just behind the chair, but in the business of the industry. And uh, realized, you said, you know what, I think I want to take a chance and an opportunity on seeing what, what I can create, what kind of problems are uh, kind of being presented at face value uh, within the business, within the men's grooming industry or beauty, and uh, realized that there was a niche, there was a market uh, to draw up some solutions there. And, and here we are years later, uh, being able to launch this company and being re- reintroduced uh, at the height of the pandemic about yeah. three years ago. Yeah. So w- what was your first uh, job or, or company like that got you into grooming? What, what started you on this journey? So my first, believe it or not, my first job was at a local barbershop in Brooklyn and uh, just quickly started like like many with a broom in your hand, a broom and a dream, right? <laughs> a broom and a dream and, and a little bit of vision, you know? So uh, it was there that I kind of got my, my feet wet and understanding just the day-to-day operations and what it took to actually be a barber, um, what it took to sell and understand product, um, to understand customer service. Unfortunately, that was cut short because I was fired in about, uh, in about two and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. W- what was it? Uh, you didn't know what you were doing. What, what was the cause? Hopefully it's been long enough. So you're not uh, still bitter over this. So we can talk about it. What was the cause of you getting fired after two and a half weeks? Oh, a funny story to that. The founder of that company, I actually know very well. Uh-huh. Um, so it's funny how that all came about. But um, it, it honestly, you know, Sanjay, it was me not being able to uh, uh, kind of move to the quick rotation of the work. Um, it was, uh, you know, high volume of clients right? and really kind of my, my first uh, opportunity at understanding just your POS system, 
but wow. at the but at the level at the level that they had it. I mean, they had about maybe eight different barbers at the time, and everyone's booked, and it's maybe you you and another person at the front desk. Um, so you're managing retail guests that are coming in. You're managing yeah. the appointments. You're answering the phones, and this is my first real, uh, real, real kind of uh, take on on just understanding uh, sales, sales yeah. and customer service. Yeah, I, I'm sure that um, it, it was upsetting when you got fired. You, I expect you probably learned a lot from that that you've taken forward with you. So, you know, it's funny. It, in, it's, I actually ended up smiling on the way out of there uh, because I kind of come from the, the idea and ideology of if something is kind of, if you've fallen short, it simply means it's part of your journey. Yeah. And you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as an opportunity to get knocked down um, or you can learn from it or you can really learn from it and say, you know what? Well, this just means I have to, there's something within me that has to either change and what, and maybe ask myself some hard questions to, yeah. to further the development. Yeah. That is, that is a great perspective. I, I love that. Um, so let me ask you, is, is groom guy the first time that you've done something entrepreneurial or did you do something when you were younger um, or were there entrepreneurs in the family uh, that you got to see, you know, where, where did this come from? Um, very much, you know, they always say the apple is far, far from the tree. So my mother, um, my mother was an entrepreneur, um, and still is. And so she, you know, thought it was very important for a child to have some level of, uh, of, of knowledge of a general knowledge of entrepreneurship. So at 15, when kids are going to camp, I'm going to business camp. Uh, so she was nice. able to find a, a organization that actually taught entrepreneurship to inner city youth. And so I picked up my, what seemed like briefcase, or at least I thought it was a briefcase, but it really was just a backpack. And I, you know, you know, hustled my way over to the, to the school and, uh, well, where the, where the org- summer organization was happening at one of the universities, I believe it was NYU, where they held it for the youth. And we were there and we were learning. And I, and that's where, that's where the hunger and appetite began. And it helped me understand how the economy works. A little bit more too. It helped me understand my position as an entrepreneur and what we actually offer. Yeah, um, living in living in New York City, such a highly concentrated space where you see business and you see the full operation of entrepreneurship in its purest form. Yeah. So, what what was your first entrepreneurial adventure like? So, I, I talk often on this podcast about uh-huh. um, mine probably being uh, candy bar arbitrage in in school. Uh, you know, buying candy bars and then selling to other kids during uh, lunch, uh, and you know, making money on that. Like, what was your first time making money, hustling, and do, doing something like that? So, it, you know, to that point, it actually candy was. When I think about it now, candy was the first. You know, many of us, I'm sure, had the box of candy, and you know, we put the pressure on the parents and and our neighborhood friends. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta get this candy. And, you're thinking you're selling the best thing on the neighborhoods and sliced bread. You think your candy's just supreme, right? But realizing everybody's selling the same Reese's and Hershey's, but it's about presentation, right? It's about how you market it. Yeah. Um, so I think that was my first take, and that had to be about 13. And then, yeah. it, and then I went into following the uh, business camp. I went into starting a T-shirt company. It was oh, called nice. the old school, the old school hip hop, and it was about you know highlighting some of the the beauties and, and the historic element of uh, hip hop culture, um, especially the, the decade of the nineties, the nineties, early eighties, late, late eighties too. 
I mean, that that is maybe the best decade, right? You had Run DMC, Beastie Boys, you know, mm-hmm. like all the good stuff. We, we, I think we could go into a whole conversation about this and, and use up all of our time, but um, the <laughs> listeners are here for a, a entrepreneurship and founder podcast and not a hip hop podcast. So yes, we'll have to yes. do that conversation some other time. Sure. Um, so talking about gr- Groom Guy, how is it that you went down the path to figure out how to start this? And, and what did you do to start your start the business? So I think the first thing was, you know, getting myself rooted into the business firsthand, right? So having that background as a men's hairstylist allowed me to take mental notes and actual notes on, on operations. Um, and then it also allowed me to look at the market um, to see what's already existing out there, you know, what's already been done before. Um, but as, as I said earlier, like a lot of entrepreneurship is, is birthed out of problems that we see. And so I started to do my history, actually, on the barber industry, dating back to the late 1800s. So the late 1800s to early 1900s showcased and profiled the beautiful story of barbers um, building out these uh, unique spaces of barbershops. So one that caught my eye was in hotels. And so once you start to discover who's done this before, you start to uncover, like, who are some of the historical figures that you may have not learned in school a lot of these people are already kind of setting the blueprint. So you, all you're really doing is looking at that, modernizing that, um, you know, adding some of your own character and authenticity to it and drawing from all these different industries to ultimately, for me, come up with Groom Guy. So, you know, taking from barbers from the late 1800s, extracting some pieces from that, looking at the automotive industry and Ford and what, how they were drawing solutions for the American, you know, the American industry, like all of these stories of great entrepreneurs helped me, helped me build up Groom Guy. Awesome. So uh, where was the first, the first location for you was in New York in or Washington, in DC? In Washington, in DC. DC. Okay. Yeah, Washington, DC is where we really kind of tested the market um, yeah. at the height of the pandemic. So when I looked at that, um, that I realized that hotels was a kind of a, a unique niche for us to build upon. It huh. was up and it was it was a hotel. I ended up emailing about like I remember about like thirty to thirty five different hotels, and only okay. two got back to me. Okay, uh, and one and that one that said, you know what, let's give this a shot. Let's create a pop up. Let's try and see if this works. And it was initially supposed to be three months, evolved into two years. Wow. So, uh, so you didn't know anybody in the hotel industry. This was just blind emailing into the general managers. Is that who you contacted? Who, who was your point of contact? So I dived a little deeper. It was for me, and this goes back to kind of having that entrepreneurship background at a young age. Yeah. My thought process was it wasn't enough for me to know who the management is. Go and see who the owners so I ended up having a contact and, and building a relationship with someone who owned the actual hotel. Okay. And 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 uh, they were the ones who ultimately said, you know what, let's give this a try. And then they communicated to, to the management team and said, look, we want to try this new amenity concept. Right. Um, or reintroduce it, really. And uh, let's see if it works. Because, you know, you can have your gyms, you can have your bars, but at the height of the pandemic, nobody's walking through there. So, Right. Yeah. So, so the concept is, so with Groom Guy, you're, you're building these into hotels, like, like they're, they're co, co, uh, coexisting, I guess, uh, w- with the hotel. Is that the idea? Sure. So if you can imagine a hotel amenity, um, you know, whether it's your fitness center or your, or your co-working space, 
we believe that Grim Guy deserves to be right in that same kind of vicinity. Um, we're using a lot of underutilized commercial space in hotels and allowing us to design uh, what we call wellness studios. Um, so you can get your grooming products, you can get your haircutting services, um, you can get even, we even have packages that we sell as well too for weddings and groomsmen, uh, business travel. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense, right? People that are business travelers, sometimes they travel Monday to Friday and, and you just don't have time on the weekends to get these other things done. So uh, that that's really smart. So in, in thinking about this and kind of planning this out and um, you did the hustling thing, which I love, honestly, uh, of just contacting 30 different hotels. I don't know anybody. I'm just going to contact them and see what happens. Uh, there's so many entrepreneurs or, or want to be entrepreneurs that go through this cycle and they, they refuse to do that step because they feel like they should just know these people or something. Uh, and sometimes it's just, you got to you know, shoot your shot and see if they uh, get back to you. Um, and, you know, one out of 30 did, and, and that made it for you. Uh, well, two out of 30 did, and one out of 30, you know, made it to you. Um, but as you were starting this, w- was there anything that made you nervous about um, going down this path? Like you, you fired off these 30 emails. How long was it before the first one got back to you? Like, what, what made you nervous? Was it that? Was it something else? Like, was there anything? Uh, I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say the time, definitely idle time. Like, the waiting period is always the one, and I'm still working on that, right? Uh, it's uh, when you're when you're casting your net. I like to say you're casting your net, and you see what what's going to come up from that. Um, and sometimes you may find yourself it takes two days. It may find yourself take a week. But I think the most important thing you should figure out while you're casting your net is how you're going to be prepared for when that response does happen, right? So when that one hotel does say yes, are you ready to set up? Are you ready to go? Right. Do you have those those questions, uh, those answers to those questions? Maybe you need a presentation or a brand kit. All of those things you should have at least try to think about because someone someone's going to see someone's going to respond. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's super smart. Uh, Use your idle time so that you're prepared for when the opportunity does come. Uh, I think there are so many founders that don't do that and then they scramble at the end and it makes them look not as not as well-prepared as they should be. Um, Really smart. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So let's talk about um, kind of health and wellness. That's part of what you do as a part of Groom Guy. Let's talk about your health and wellness. How do you manage the stress of of owning a business and, and working full time and you know doing all of these things, especially mm-hmm. since you've got two different locations that are not necessarily geographically close to each other. Yeah. Right? You've got Florida and you've got DC. Um, how are you managing kind of your health and wellness through all of this? Um, the one thing I could say that helps is, is definitely establishing your team. I think a lot of us, you know, we know that, but to practice that um, is, is ongoing. So for example, um, many a times we find ourselves loading up with responsibilities and doing all these tasks, but little do we know that we should delegate, right? A, a lot of these things is, is not for us to just hold for ourselves. Um, you know, we can have a vision, we can have an idea, but if we don't write these out and articulate them, then we won't be able to voice them to the very people that we need. 
Um, so I'm really excited and happy to have a colleague who is one of my best friends, but also my operations director, right? We speak every day. Um, he's at the Florida property, right? He gives me insight of what's going on. You know, I have a barber who is uh, our principal lead barber at our DC location, right? They're lo- he's looping me in about what's going on there and the operations. And I'm on there on site as well, too. So when, you, when you're able to delegate, you're able to look back and say, okay, what are the things that I need to take care of my personal life? Right. Oh, I realized I haven't walked the dog a couple of times today or I got to go to the gym. Or, you know what I mean? Because my mind has to be right to lead. Right. So that's um, it's an interesting topic. They're delegating. I think that's hard. That's hard for almost everybody, um, but also founders in particular. How did you get to that point of realizing what the things are and aren't that you should be delegating to somebody else? Hmm. That's a good, that's a good question, Sanjay. That's a really good question. I think the, the most important thing I realize is that if it, if, if it's key to what our, our company vision is, if it's something that I know that has to come from me, the founder, uh, many a times, and I'll, and I'll, you know, kind of go to my partner on that, my business partner on that and say, Hey, is this something that I need to kind of take the lead on? And he'll say, no, this is, this is for you, this platform, or these people that we have to discuss to talk with, uh, whether it's ownership. Um, sometimes you'll be able to look at a title and say, you know what, this is, he's, this person is a founder or this person is management. Let me as the founder step in and, right. uh, and see how we need to communicate on that front. So that, that kind of helps a lot when you're able to kind of see where the tiers of management lie and maybe you need to match that with someone who's on your team. But as you get, as you kind of go towards upper top tier management, you realize yourself, okay, this is the positioning where I need to either speak up or present or things of that nature. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. Um, Okay. Let's talk about um, along those same lines, then boundaries, right? It's, it's so easy for founders to allow uh, the work that we do to become all encompassing and everything that is life, right? It, it's just, you could be doing this stuff seven days a week, all, you know, 24 hours a day, because, you know, I think for a lot of us, we love what we do. It's not really work um, and it can leak into everything. How do you think about that for yourself in terms of setting up boundaries and how do you make sure that those boundaries are maintained uh, if you've got them? Truthfully, I put a new note, new note on my phone every time. And I've got a bunch of different notes, <laughs> all these different notes that are categorized, but because <laughs> my brain keeps going, you know, but I will yeah. say this outside of my uh, outside of my phone and updating it every time to increase more data space. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely find myself. I definitely find myself saying, you know what? It goes back to self-care. We are a wellness brand, right? So I also have to exemplify that and showcase that. And part of that and the beauty of that is knowing what's um, what's important. And I take my personal life very seriously. I spend, uh, you know, whether it's time with my wife or time with my family, um, that stuff takes precedent, you know, over over work because the work will always be there. You know, when you understand and tell yourself, OK, if if this is priority, you know, number one, two and three and all this stuff, it will still be here tomorrow. You know, kind of level out and see chart what's important levels of importance. That's really what it is. Right. But if I can go to sleep and continue this work tomorrow, I'm going to dinner tonight. I'm going to I'm going to have some balanced time with my, you know, with my loved one, with my friends and 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 need that because 
at the end of the day, you need your stamina. And if you don't have the energy and the stamina and the, and the mental health that's there, then quite frankly, you're going to burn out. And we hear that too many times with yeah. Uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, since you are a health and wellness brand, is there anything different or unique that you do uh, for your own employees, uh, people that work in the business to maintain? Like, is there a special perk or is there something that you do that you don't think most other people do, other companies do for their employees? Um, well, I, I will say this. One thing I do believe in is over communicating, right? Or, or at least having a connection with me, right? Like being able to have access to me as the founder. Right. Um, sometimes you go into companies and they see, you know, they may see like they're sitting on this top tower. And you've <laughs> got to get to the guard to get to the founder. Listen, no. <laughs> like my my email access is there. My phone is there. I have one to ones with the team members. You know what I mean? Connecting with them. Um, so they can, so there's like a human element to it. You know what right. I mean? Um, yeah. And that also shows that I'm, I can relate. Right. Yeah. When it comes to understanding who they are. Um, getting a feel for their personality because sometimes you'll have projects or things that you want to delegate to them, but because you know and understand who they are, you'll be able to say, oh, this may work really well for them or this one, you know what, this will go to the next person. Yeah. Um, but also too, on kind of uh, on a ground level, the, the beauty of being hospitality is some perks. So, you know, you may have barbers and team members who may want to have a staycation and stay at some of the, one of the properties that we're on and, bring their friends and their family, which they have done. Um, so we take, we take pride in that because that's, that also goes back to the wellness piece, especially oh, to the barbers. Yeah. Th that is actually not a perk that I thought of. That is a great uh, way of kind of leveraging your partners to be able to say like, Hey, these, you know, our team is excited about you. And, and I think that shows that then too, right? Like we want to stay here because we, we love you as a partner as well. So that, actually probably pays dividends in, in multiple ways. That's uh, great ideas there. Um, okay, so we've, you've kind of touched upon some technology and tools that you use, um, email and phone. What other kind of technology or apps or systems have you implemented that you absolutely could not live without and, and are kind of critical to your success as a business? Um, so a lot of what we do in terms of our communications is kind of stepping into being automated. So we'll have a phone line that, you know, for example, people will have a phone line or email that answers questions for them. Many a times, you know, in our studio space, things are just busy, right? So people may not be able to right. access um, immediately the phones. We try to be direct as we can. However, um, having that text automation communication is really helpful for people. Uh, we have clients who are in business meetings or areas that they're sensitive, but they may not get to the phone. Um, so text, believe it or not, back and forth has been really helpful. Our POS system is great. It's multifunctional. It handles our appointments and does uh, transactions for us. Um, and they have been, and even the company, the corporate, um, has been really successful and really helpful in us too, because they've seen the work from the very beginning. So every time there's updates within their POS system, they actually notify us personally just to uh -huh. test things out, see how it's going on and how it's working. Right. Um, but I love that. And then our email newsletter is great. Keeps people engaged, you know? So yeah. those are, those are kind of the three when it comes to, uh, how we connect and engage with our, with our client base. I was wondering if you were going to mention a POS system, because you mentioned it about the first job that you got fired in after two and a half weeks. And, and you mentioned the POS uh, being kind of the critical thing. It was, um, it's not the same POS system that I got. That I got <laughs> let go. Let's just say there's a little vendetta there. Maybe. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you you were able to take that lesson, that learning, and be like, I need of something course. really, really good. Of course, um, of course. Indeed. So that that that's great. that's great. Okay, so um, let's do a little bit of a retrospective. Uh, if you could go back in time and do something differently, um, be it either in Groom Guy or just kind of overall in your life or career, like what what is that thing that you would do differently and why? My life or career. You know what? I, I'll say this: I didn't kind of go the traditional route of schooling um, as it relates to after high school. I did a year of college. Um, and, you know, throughout those, well, throughout the last six years, I was kind of venturing out and finding things on my own, which was beautiful, which I absolutely love. Um, and I learned a lot uh, being on the outside. However, I think as an entrepreneur, there are some fundamental skills that and uh, teaching that you can, can gain from being in formal, formal schooling. And formal schooling doesn't necessarily have to mean four-year degree, but it could mean a certification. It can be in two years. It can even be one year. But anywhere where you can concentrate on um, kind of getting the, getting the tools that you need uh, in terms of education, I think is great. And simply meaning things like finance. Finance is a huge part, right? It's an, it's, it's, it's an element of business. So knowing how and what to look for and ask for when it comes to accounting, right? Uh, law, law as well. Establishing, those are kind of the two, uh, both accounting and lawyer. Those are the, you know, your two best friends when you're getting started. So, um, and those are things I didn't learn, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's true for, honestly, for a lot of people that go through college and then eventually become entrepreneurs is that if you're in a major in a degree, you don't necessarily, it's true for me. I never took finance and accounting or any kind of legal law class, uh, when I was doing my undergrad. And now like in retrospect, I wish like I had done those things. So for you, how have you burnished up your skills to make sure that you understand all of these things that are going on kind of finance, accounting and legal wise? I, I created a circle, a, a circle, a council, you know, yeah. create your council, create your council of advisors and who are industry professionals who have made mistakes as well, but to a higher degree have a, have a pedigree in their, in their, in their industry um, and in their world so that they can impart all that knowledge um, to you. So if that means you need to hang around, you know, like I said, highly successful accountants or or other former entrepreneurs, then so be it. So that way you can bounce ideas off because right. things when things do happen in entrepreneurship that you want them to, they can happen fast. Right. And you're making decisions all day. So you want to have that counsel that will say, hey, what am I doing here? Or what's the best route to take? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to uh, make the same mistakes that somebody else has already made. That's I, mm-hmm. I strongly believe in that. And that's why I spend time with entrepreneurs um, and talking about things they might be going through because I've already made a ton of mistakes. Uh, I hopefully uh, can help other entrepreneurs avoid those mistakes. There's other mistakes they'll definitely make uh, that I've never encountered. But if we can get through those, those easy mistakes, uh, that gets you to the harder mistakes uh, much quicker and then the harder challenges, which is to me, part of the fun of entrepreneurship, right? It's solving oh, problems yeah. all day long. Oh, yeah. There's something sweet about having your back up against the wall. I, I, <laughs> it, that's what builds us up, makes us, you know, makes us That's great. true. That's true. I mean, that, that that is the job of the, the founder and the entrepreneur is solving problems all day long. So um, beyond that, uh, if you were talking to somebody who's thinking about taking the leap like you did and either starting a side hustle or starting a small business, what advice would you give them? Hmm. Write your vision, 
make it plain because that will always bring you back to if you feel like where you you may get lost a little bit if you feel like opportunities are being thrown your way that can deviate from what the task is or what the goal is go right back to your vision you know because it's it's it, you'll 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 find and discover that as you build up your team as other names and people are coming into the picture um, it could skew a little bit of you know where where you're looking to go so and at least when you write your vision then you can write your goals because then you can write your short-term goals and then you can go into what the next two years three years looks like for you you know what right. i mean yeah like driving a car you gotta have navigation right it's right. like flying a plane god only knows you got to know where you want to fly to so <laughs> you know because many entrepreneurs get in and get excited but when it's like well, what's the future i don't know right let's 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 put that some let's put pen to paper yeah you got to know where you're going to land and you got to know uh what storms to avoid on the way there so absolutely but all of that is encompassing right when you when right. you put that down so yeah that's that's uh great advice okay now the most important question of the entire podcast, Darius. What are some grooming tips for our listeners out there oh to boy. make them look just top-notch? The things that you see people do wrong all the time that, man, if they would just fix this, it would make them look that much better. Wow. Okay. Let's dive into the, to the, the groom guy world here a little bit. Things that I've <laughs> seen. Um, What's like your top tip? Like... Just do okay. this one thing and, oh, it's so much better. One thing, this is one thing that I see a lot of, a lot of people do, and this is no, you know, no, uh, no shade necessarily to the big brands, but understanding that a lot of high quality, like fragrances are necessarily, not necessarily the best for our skin. Right. So a lot of times you may wonder, well, where's that redness coming from? Or where's this uh, reaction that I'm getting onto my skin, whether it's under my chin or on my cheek or uh, a lot of that is uh, kind of understanding what what your skin is, can't take. So the biggest thing that I would actually tell people a lot of times when it comes to grooming is see a dermatologist. It's OK. Go visit one one time. You know what I mean? Because they'll let you know about some chemicals or some ingredients that actually are not working for you, right? Things that you want to prevent um, because you don't realize that you may be doing damage to yourself in the long run. Um, oh. So a part of grooming is actually also highlighting professionals, industry professionals, not just in our wheelhouse, but opening up people's minds and saying like, look, this is something that you can look forward to, to, like I said, preventative uh, measures, as well as, you know, just quality of life. Right. Yeah. So if you are tired of getting sunburned <laughs> or if you're tired of, like I said, certain skin reactions, um, don't necessarily take that on your own. Right. Don't just grab something that you see from the shelf at the retail store because you don't know that that could actually be counterproductive to what you're right. looking for. So, so if somebody's going through those challenges, um, what should they ask their dermatologist? Like, hey, I've got this and these are the products I use. Is that what they should do or? Is it some other question they should ask? They should give themselves about three to four weeks of whatever the pattern is. And you notice that uh, something isn't getting better. Uh, take a mental note, uh, whether it's taking images. A lot of it is imagery. It's great. That's where dermatologists kind of work in their specialty. And then week by week, they're able to make an, an analysis of like, okay, this is what we've seen over these images that you've sent or the things that you've written down. Um, that's, a, that's a great place to start. That's a great, great place to start. That is a fantastic tip uh, and something, and 
absolutely not the thing that I was uh, expecting you to say, which makes it even that much better. Uh, I thought you were going to tell me like, you know, you should use a certain kind of product in your hair or something like that. Um, oh, so sure. I love this. <laughs> Listen, absolutely. I can talk about products all day, but I also talk about health. And yeah. uh, I, I think to, to the space of wellness, um, a lot of industry professionals don't get enough of the credit that, that we, we should, you know, uh, should give them in helping yeah. a lot of people, um, myself included. So. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, Darius, this has been a fantastic conversation. Where can our listeners find and connect with you? Please, you can absolutely connect with me on uh, on social media. Just follow us at Groom Guy, pin us a message and say, hey, you know, I listened to this amazing podcast episode <laughs> with you and Sanjay and I had to connect. Uh, we'll be happy to discuss uh, other topics and areas of concern with you. Or you can visit us at uh, www.groomguy.com. G-R-O-O-M-G-U-I.com. Or come by and see you guys in D.C., as well as in, we're in Florida again? And Palm Beach Gardens, Florida at PGA National Resort. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again, Darius, for coming on today. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find out more about me at my website, sanjayparikh.com.